0: politics guys i'm michael baronowski a political scientist at northern kentucky university so jay i thought we'd start off this uh wednesday episode with a listener comment actually uh, and i think it's going to fit in reasonably well with our our main topic for today it's a comment from a listener on our september 2nd show so uh here's here's what he had to write um he said Hi Jane, Mike. I'm writing this from Houston. I'm a long-time listener and I have a few thoughts on this week's show. As you might imagine, the majority of our city has temporarily put aside political differences as we rebuild and return to normalcy hand in hand. It's been refreshing and I'm proud of Houston for how we've handled the adversity. My hope is that this togetherness doesn't fade and we remain an example of a strong, unified community. With that in mind, I heard some things in this week's show that bothered me. I've noticed that the amount of divisive, snide comments from Michael towards Jay on his political and cultural viewpoints continues to increase. Perhaps I'm more sensitive to his comments these week, but I just don't see how they are helpful. Keep in mind, Michael, that your snide comments toward Jay are also landing with listeners who have similar beliefs and backgrounds. Also, I think your listeners can find that type of poor humor or slander in just about any political medium today. Perhaps you could differentiate your show by incorporating more inclusive, thought provoking discussions without consistent bias and slander. In this week's show, Mike stated it was great to be exposed to different viewpoints and backgrounds throughout the military, exposure to people who look different and have different views. I think it can be a strength of our country. Agreed. But perhaps you can keep it, take it a step further by tolerating diverse opinions, empathizing with various groups, and fostering more inclusive discussions. So that was, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm blanking on the uh, the listener's name right now. I forgot to include it, but uh, I I was sort of taken aback by that, Jay. I Bam. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I certainly well, well, you know, I certainly didn't feel last week or, or like really much at all that I that I'm snide or or slander or dismissive toward your views. And, and but you know, I recognized that a lot of times people can behave that way and not recognize it. And so I thought I would ask you. If you, if that was something you picked up on, because certainly if that's something I'm doing, I'd like to be made aware of it.
1: Well, well, I, I would say, uh, no more so than like the last, you know, 25 years I've known you. Um, so, uh, look, I, I, I certainly didn't take, uh, anything that you said as, as being, a uh, snide or offensive. And then, you know, for our, our listeners that, that don't know, again, Mike and I have known each other for, uh, I mean, at least 25 years, more than that. Uh, I think, um, and I've had these these arguments going on for for a lot of those times. Um, so so we we have a certain familiarity with how we can talk to each other, uh, and and neither takes offense to it uh, because we we know uh, who the other person is and and we're friends. And uh, you know there is there is sort of a a you know kidding that goes on. And and I don't know whether whether that that comes through all the time. Sometimes the things I say to you uh, are, are very much just kind of tongue in cheek. And I think it's kind of the same, uh, same back to me. And, uh, I think we recognize that, um, there's, there's more t- to it than, uh, sort of the, the simplification. I mean, again, we, Mike likes to, you know, I, 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 my, um, my identification, I think on the website indicates that I'm, I spend my time again, crushing the, the little guy, um, which is not entirely true, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, so I mean I think I think I mean I hope our listeners take that sort of in the spirit that 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 we do. Uh, I I don't get offended, nor nor do I I search for offense in in uh, things that the mic says to me. And uh, really, the whole reason we do this show is is to get kind of two differing differing views. So yeah, and,
0: and I think both of us tend to have pretty thick skins when it comes out like you said we uh, uh it takes a lot for us to feel personally offended but you know people react differently to these things and so i think you're right so much of what we do on this show it is just a, a conversation between two old friends and, and and you're right that maybe there are things that you and i think are perfectly fine because we know each other that that other listeners uh don't, aren't aware because they don't have that history, obviously. And, and certainly I just wanted to stress that I, you should hear how we talk to each other off the Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I certainly, I, I, I never intend to be, to to give uh, unnecessary offense to anyone. I mean, I will call out neo Nazis and things like that, but I don't intend to be snide or dismissive to to any to any legitimate, reasonable view. And if that if that came across to any listeners, I I'm sorry about that. So, you know, but I think it's an interesting lead in to what we're going to be talking about today because this week, uh, Jay and I thought we'd try something a little different for for our uh, Wednesday show. We both looked at the same four articles on political correctness and identity politics. And obviously, this is something that comes up, you know, all the, all the time, right, in a variety of contexts these days. And now we've talked about this indirectly in the past as it relates to other issues, but we thought it would be worthwhile to talk about political correctness, and identity politics in a more direct way. I mean, considering how much it does seem to color so much of our politics. And those of you who follow us on Facebook and Twitter may have seen links I posted to these articles a few days ago, because I thought it might be a good idea to pass them along so that you could read the same things that Jay and I read prior to our discussion so that we'd all be on the same page. And we thought maybe if you like this, we could make it sort of a, a regular kind of thing. to be a way for you to be able to kind of take, greater part in our discussions and so forth. And just uh, thought it'd be an interesting experiment. So uh, you ready to go, Jay? Okay. Well, actually, before we do get started, I should say we do have two sponsors today. We want to thank our 1st re-sponsor today, our first re-sponsor, our first sponsor today. I can speak. Okay. Uh, that is Zip Recruiter. So Jay, did I ever tell you about my first real life job? That, the one I got after I briefly dropped out of Baldwin Wallace College, our alma mater, after my uh, initial semester that was, uh, let's say, far too heavy on the partying
1: and uh, far too late on actually, you know, going to class? I, don't I, it- I did not hear about it. I, I, I'm surprised I haven't. Maybe Maybe I have. And just, it's, it's escapes me now. It's but. been a while,
0: but well, anyway, I, I was a, I was a car washer delivery guy slash gopher at a car dealership. And, um, let me tell you, I was, I was not a good fit for that job. I, I only got it because they needed someone and a guy I knew, a guy I knew who worked there recommended me. It was Pretty much a disaster, right? But, but of course, this was back in those pre-internet days when finding good help was a lot harder than it is now. But, but even now, good help is still awfully hard to find, and that's where ZipRecruiter comes in. Whether you're looking for a car washer, which, by the way, there are 59 listings for car washers in Cincinnati alone on ZipRecruiter. I just checked. Uh, or an executive assistant, a programmer, or whatever. ZipRecruiter can help you find the great fit for your job opening, and with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click, then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right person to your job better than anyone else. And that's why ZipRecruiter is different because unlike those other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. There's no juggling emails or calls to your office. You just screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Don't end up hiring someone like me. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, ZipRecruiter listeners can, sorry, Politics Guys listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash PoliticsGuy. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash PoliticsGuy. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash PoliticsGuy to post jobs for free. All right. So, here we go, Jay. Um, so I thought we'd start with uh, identity, or sorry, with po- political correctness. You know, uh, the article I posted about this featured a linguist who says that the basic idea of political correctness is that we should try to avoid language or behavior that offends or marginalizes certain groups. But because that term, political correctness, includes the term correctness, it carries this um implication of judgment and moral superiority, kind of this diktat of proper behavior that's passed down by the cultural elites that regular people must obey or be branded as evil, bad, closed-minded, or racist. And and she argues that the right has sort of folded this into their anti-elite rhetoric and kind of painting it as this ridiculous obsession that liberal elites and their fellow travelers in the mainstream media indulge in. And in the end, she says, "Really, what this is is a branding issue, and that what we really need is a new term." Uh, what do you think, Jay?
1: <laughs> okay, well, um, here you go. well, first of all, I think she 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 gave away the game in the first line of, of the article, where where she says that the term political correct now going back uh, the the term political correctness this started why well, I'd say that that term uh, in or about I guess the mid 80s um, and it was sort of derisively termed political correctness by by a lot of those on the right and just regular people uh, um, because it was it had all the the reminders and hallmarks of uh, the Soviet old style where where people would be called out and and uh, uh, dismissed Missed or sent to Siberia for holding uh, opinions or saying things that were politically incorrect. Uh, that, was, that was the term. Um, but it now seems that the left is almost, she's happy to embrace that, that term. Uh, and look, to the extent that, that someone wants to make an argument that there is just plain good manners and, and you ought not to say things uh, that would offend others uh, unnecessarily, um, I think that's great. But the 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 friction that you run into, and in the place it started, most uh, was at your college campuses, and uh, continues now, is when when this idea of well, I don't want to cause offense, I don't want to. Uh, hurt someone's feelings is used as sort of a, a cudgel to keep keep one from uh, voicing an opinion. Uh, for example, if I'm to say, uh, listen, I think affirmative action is a horrible policy. I think it's a disservice uh, to those it seeks to serve. And I think it's unfair to the rest of the country and it's bad for race uh, relations altogether. Um if I were to to say that on uh, many college campuses these days, I would be uh, branded a racist. Uh, that would be called hate speech. Uh, one could be uh, sent to the dean's office. That is a sort of a violation of speech codes. All, all that sort of thing. And and we we've lived in this this uh, this world now for uh, you know about thirty some years, uh, and a lot of it's sort of filtered out from the academy to the the wider world. And I, I think part of that is the the Trump election, um, where there's this this pushback, and again, you can say, um, well, also off topic, and and let you answer. But uh, to me, the her her thesis that uh, political correctness, as it as it exists, is merely an attempt to everybody be nice to each other. I think that's really misstating it, and I think that to to say that there's not some interest in trying to gain political power through control of, of speeches is, is pretty naive.
0: Okay. Well, you know, I, I have some, definitely have some thoughts on that, but before I get to those, uh, we want to thank our second sponsor today, Casper. Um, You know, what are you sleeping on these days? I don't know. For, for a long time, my wife and I, like a lot of people, I think had this standard issue mattress store thing that we got after, you know, kind of trekking out, dealing with a way too intrusive salesperson. And in the end, not being all that crazy about what we were sleeping on, but, not too long ago, I realized that our mattress had to go. It was in bad shape. And so I did, like I do, a lot of obsessive research online. And in the end, I concluded that Casper was the smartest choice for us. It was quick and easy to order it. Now we've got literally the best mattress we've ever slept on. And, you know, just a few days ago, my wife said to me that it's weird, but lately she'd been feeling a lot better with a lot fewer aches and pains than usual. And she realized that this started to happen. Well, not too long after we started sleeping on our Casper mattress, I'm seriously, it was totally uh, unsolicited. And so far I thought, well, that's great. I should definitely mention that when we talk about Casper next time. Now, Jay, you also got some big Casper fans in your family as well,
1: right? I have yeah, family. My sister and my uh, my mom both have Casper mattresses, and uh, also both swear by them. Uh, and uh, the 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 delivery, the uh, setup, the uh, convenience of uh, of Casper mattress, as opposed to, as you said, the trekking out to the mattress store uh, is, is just fantastic. Um, uh, so that's, uh, that's also, they they praise the quality and also the convenience of the of Casper mattress.
0: And one of the things I love, you know, technology, it's got, it's got, it's loaded with technology, man. Let me tell you, they got engineers doing stuff and this, they got this combination of you know, this is the supportive memory foam and you get just, you know, just that right amount of sink, just that right amount of bounce, you know, and, and all, also, and I mentioned this before, but this is really important to me. It's designed to be breathable, which means sleep's cool. And when you're, especially when you're sleeping on a bed with uh, with another person and a dog, because Gus now is taking sleeping on the mattress, well, that's particularly important. And so, you know, you can trust, you can trust Jay, you can trust me about how great a Casper mattress is, but you don't have to because Casper has over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars, Plus, you get free shipping to the U.S. and Canada and a 100-night risk-free deal. So, hey, try it out. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Plus, it's designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S.A. And best of all, Pulse Times listeners get get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash TPG and using promo code TPG. That's casper.com slash TPG promo code TPG. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So, you know, Jay, I, I hear what you're saying and I do agree that there are some people on the left who, who embrace the correctness part of it, political correctness, and who, who say that, no, there is a correct way to speak and, and do try to, and are, I think,
1: regrettably well, close-minded. It, no, I'll, I'll agree with you. I think there is a correct way. I, I think, yeah, civility is great. I'm all for it. But uh, my, my, my point, the point, and I think I probably made it badly, was there are some on the left who, who see this as a, uh, a power move. No, yeah, uh, I agree. To be no. able to con- control language, yeah. I think you made it well, actually. And unfortunately,
0: while I think that that is a minority of people on the left, those are the people who speak the loudest and we hear from the most. They're the sort of people who shut down um, Charles Murray at Millbury College, right? Those are the people who get the press coverage. And I, it's, it's a shame. And I think it, it, um, it essentially gives cover. To people who don't behave in a a decent fashion, you know, because I think most reasonable people, all reasonable people can agree that in political discourse, in discourse in general, there's something that we should respect called, well, it used to be called common decency or not being a jackass or, or acting like a, uh, like a gentleman. And, and I mean, I mean this in the, like the kind of 19th century Victorian sense of, the, sense of the term, you know, cause you know, I'm really into that kind of 19th century Victorian literature and so forth. And this is a really important concept to them. This idea of always trying to, well, make people feel comfortable to go out of your way to not make people feel ill at ease. And I think that's, that's really important. That's critical. I would say The civil discourse, that doesn't mean you don't call out people when they're acting improperly, but it means you're not an ass, essentially. And I think the problem with political correctness and how some people on the far reaches of the left use it is it allows people like, unfortunately, President Trump and Steve Bannon and other folks to to basically say, well, to, to be in a sense, uh, 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 to not respect common decency, you know, because say, well, that's all just political correctness. And I think we need to make a distinction between those people on the left who are, who shouldn't be, you know, trying to, trying to muzzle speech that they don't agree with. And those people who are just saying, listen, let's
1: be decent to each other. And I think that's something that we can all, we all should be able to agree on. Right. Right. No, I think, I think that's right. My, the other, the other piece of that goes with this, that the, the ethos of we ought to be, uh, gentlemanly. Um, and again, that's not to exclude any, any non-gentleman listeners. Um, uh, but, uh, there, there's, there's another side of that that goes with, with democracy and with our first amendment. And that is, while you ought to be gentlemanly, you have a constitutional right to be a jackass. Uh, you, you, you don't, you know, there's, there's no, uh, compulsion, and there ought not to be a a compulsion uh, by any sort of of governmental power, and uh, that would include a state university, um, to to say how you ought to speak or not speak. I mean those those rules ought to be, you know, again sort of litigated in just uh, uh, you know the the rest of civility and society, and you you know. Uh, you know, the punishment uh, that you, you reap is is that of being thought of as a jackass.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's unfortunate that uh, the sort of social norms and, and I think in many cases, religious norms and traditions and customs that used to be sort of a push back against us in a very strong way, that kind of behavior that people, you know, certainly constitutionally had a right to engage in. Those have uh, diminished considerably, I think, and now, in fact, that sort of behavior is is trumpeted and, and rewarded in many ways, and so I think that's you know part of the reason why our political discourse has become so crass and debased, and that's something I really regret, and
1: I think you do too. And, and I, I want to have one one more other other point too, going to the 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 article that the first one we talked about. Um, and that is, uh, she sort of mocks uh, conservatives when they use words saying, "Oh, they're afraid to say something, or they're concerned about." It. But uh, again, I'm I'm thinking back on on my college experience, um, and there were times where I was I was sort of active in campus politics, and a- as were you, uh, and voicing voicing opinions that weren't always, uh, you know, so really popular. Um, but but there there was a concern at times of. Of listen, if you voice opinion that is is unpopular to uh, the administration, and when I say unpopular, I mean something that is uh, a conservative opinion, uh, like the I think affirmative action is a crummy policy. Uh, that that official action could be could be taken against you. Likewise, uh, students who who might oppose uh, uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, you know, it's not just a matter of hey, you disagree with me. It's, hey, you disagree with me. And that's hate speech. And, and uh, you need to either be reeducated or, or punished by some, by some official entity. Uh, and again, I'm not talking about people just thinking you're a jerk because I'm, I'm completely, that's very much the conservative Burkean way that you run a society. Exactly. Um, no, I'm all for the, that. Yeah. It's the- Don't the, punish the people power, officially, the, the ostracize of sort them. Of stepping in. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, I mean, I think we, we're kind of a one mind on this really. So, well, that's always nice. So, um, but you know, let's, let's, let's move on to, uh, these, the articles that focused more on, um, identity politics, you know, one that I wanted to kind of start with called the liberal crack up, which is by Mark Lilla, who's a, a liberal's humanity professor, who he basically argues that liberalism used to be about bringing people together in solidarity, you know, think kind of new deal FDR type liberalism, but now, our sort of increasingly individualistic culture has really created, I'd say several generations of people who have difficulty thinking in terms of the common good, but instead sort of perceive most everything through the kind of solipsistic lens of individual personal identity. And so by this reasoning, if you're not say a black man you basically have less right or even no right to have a view on issues that affect black men. And, and identity is essentially in this case, seen as authority. Uh, and, and Lill argues that uh, elite universities have really pushed this view to uh, the great detriment of traditional liberal policies and politics because millions of Americans feel repelled by this kind of individualist narcissistic sort of identity politics. Um, so would you say that's a, a fair summary, Jay?
1: And if so, yeah. would you agree? Yeah, and I, I think I picked that article as one of my, uh, you know, one of my reading a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, Karl, Karl Marx is rolling in his grave. Uh, it used to be at the class warfare, man. Um, and this is written by, like <laughs> I said, written it's, it's, by it's, a liberal.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I felt I felt a lot of this resonated. You know, um, and I really think that this is a similar. This is similar to the point made. In a much more abbreviated fashion, in the Baker and Young article that we also read, though one thing that they add in that Lula doesn't really address is the role that social media has played in all this. Though, I mean, they only give it a line or two. Though, I'd argue that it deserves a lot more attention.
1: Yeah, you know, um, you know, the, the piece that uh, the, the 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 foreign one about the uh, liberal crackup. Um, in that, he also mentions, and I, I I said this before, but I think it's it's worth mentioning again. Um, he says, you know, some of my liberal, my, my students on the left will say something that, uh, they'll say, well, as a, you know, whatever person of color, as a transgendered person, as a, whatever, uh, here is, uh, here's, you know, what, what the view ought to be. Uh, and he contrasts that with his conservative students who, who view things more just on, on principle. And I think that's something important that that this is so often why we're talking past each other. I'm not, I'm not going to make the big blanket argument that conservatives are more principled. But the the ideas of, of conservatism uh, uh, are, are essentially that uh, look these principles are the same for everyone uh, you know no matter your race gender identity and so forth um, so so it's 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 not this uh, you know everything is 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 relative and everyone has their own truth and so forth. Um, then again, that's maybe digging kind of philosophically deeper than 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 we ought to on a uh, Wednesday afternoon podcast. No, I, I, but, but you, I don't I think, think you so. get my meaning.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. In fact, I think that's exactly the argument that Lil is making, saying that liberalism used to be much more along those lines back in the day, and that certain groups, for various reasons, I mean, I think there's a lot behind it, have, I uh, sort of have, I, you know, abandoned that whole notion of, or not entirely abandon it, but are much more focused on kind of that, what I would think is fair to call sort of a narcissistic sort of individualistic focus and forgetting kind of that, that common good, that idea that we're all Americans and that we all deserve equal treatment and that sort of thing. And and I do think that that's something that maybe has been gotten away from in in some elements on the left. So I, I agree with Lil, I agree with you on that actually.
1: Well, and something that we can also, you know, we talked about on the Sunday show about DACA, and that was something where uh, well, I mean, we probably agree on the ultimate policy anyway, but but let's assume we didn't agree on the ultimate policy. We still uh, agreed on the principle <clears throat> that uh, this was a constitutional issue that ought to be handled by Congress rather than, than, than uh, the president. And... And to me, there's there's also so much so much of that in in that uh, when conservatives make the the process argument, so to speak, of of look, it's not that I'm uh, necessarily opposed to gay marriage; uh, it's opposed it's that I'm opposed to the Supreme Court finding a new right. Uh, within the Constitution. Uh, it's not that i'm I'm opposed to dreamers, it's I'm opposed to the executive acting in excess of his constitutional authority. and And those arguments are so often portrayed as, uh, as you pointed out, well, you must hate these people. and and that's sort of the uh, again, the trap that 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 identity politics leads us into.
0: yeah, well, I think I think you're right. And I think that that's because there's a lack of appreciation for how important it is to uh, abide by the rules that have been set down, even if they don't lead to the outcome you want. So just because you think something is fair or not, doesn't mean you can throw out the rules in it's instant because the, that way kind of chaos, you know, leads to chaos essentially. And right.
1: or you're, you're just sort of, you're just sort of arguing over uh, which dictator you prefer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we, again, we, we, not surprising to me, we agree very much on that. You know, I, I mean, I also think when you agree that social media has done a lot to encourage this sort of behavior,
1: um you know yes and no I I'm okay. not so much concerned the social media the social media I think has raised the volume on it um but I, I think it's it's more been uh you know and I'll I'll go ahead and use the words uh, campus indoctrination uh that that you know kids coming out of college have been taught that look, it's okay to think this way. Uh, and, and, and you ought to think this way and you ought to identify first as whatever your color, gender, uh, uh, whatever, as opposed to, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, an American from here or there, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's, it's the, those seeds are sown there and then they just sort of, uh, expand on, on social media. Well, I guess I guess I would say and that's that, my take. You're yeah. probably closer to it than than I am working in in you know academia. I I yeah, would but. say
0: I would say as a as a college professor that that I, I would think that you overestimate the the impact and influence of college professors on students. But in general, but 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 I also think that that uh, the reason why I think social media is a, a, such an important part of this is that it it I I see how I see how. Tied in students are to it. Sometimes even when I'm trying to talk to them, um, but I really think it sort of, sort of brings home that point to them that we are this community and this little community. You know, reinforces the the one view of the right and so forth, and and you know, and, and I mean, what is correct in that sense. And so I really think it's been a big a big part of that. I mean, there were other aspects that were kind
1: of to that pushing in that direction anyway. But I think there's, there's I think there's I think there's there, there's a magnification and, and an organization that social media provides that allows political correct uh, speech or, or political uh, correct attacks on, on someone other or racial identity attacks so so to speak um, to blossom uh, for example I'm, I'm thinking of uh, you know when when you have for example a, a company that does something or other that is, is seen as insensitive the the coke commercial uh, with the protesters, for example, uh, and and you will have this social media explosion uh, of of people who are offended by this because they feel it's it's racist or it's it's appropriating uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement or or what have you. Um, you know, the people at Coke just want to sell you Coke, um, and and sort of they get they get this. You know, the, the social media allows this, this thing to blossom and bloom, and then you know they say, okay, forget it, because who needs this kind of trouble? And and I think it sort of adds voices to those. Uh, those people in our society who who are seeking to be offended, and as I talked earlier when we were talking strictly political correctness, um, you know it, it it's it's a it's a it's political power, uh, and and if you are seeking to be offended, you'll be able to, and this is a good way then to voice that, and and I think so many so often companies uh will cave now just because it's easier to cave than to to fight.
0: No, absolutely. And you know, I think this is not uh something that is uh exclusive to the left or, or, or
1: I should I, I shouldn't say it's easier to cave than to fight. It, it's it's easy to cave rather than look, all A right, we're not gonna fight over one stupid um uh you know Kardashian commercial. So No
0: it's not not that it's easier. I, I would say the word is that it just it's better for the bottom line to uh to to kids yeah, exactly. in the fight. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they're, really, they're not trying to win moral victories here. Like you said, they're just trying to sell you more. Exactly. We're just to trying to sell Keep you the share yeah. price up. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, this is something that's not exclusive to the left. As David Brooks pointed out in our final article, uh, how Trump kills the GOP. You know, he said, this is something we see on the right. He, he argues that since 2005, the Republican Party has become what he calls a vehicle for white identity politics. And in fact... He finds uh, he looks at a lot of polling data and he finds an interesting distinction between what he calls conservative universalists and conservative white identitarians. And, And basically, he says the conservative universalists are people, well, like Jay, who would say that there are these principles and they apply to everyone. And then there are the conservative white identitarians who say, man, we're getting the white people are getting the shaft and we need the politics that stands up specifically for white people, basically. And he says, you know, there's there's a roughly, according to the data he's looked at, roughly 47% of Republicans are what you might call universalists, and maybe around 40% are conservative white identitarians. And, and and the interesting argument he makes is about these white identitarians. He says they've essentially taken the sort of multiculturalism that's been kind of pushed in society, in schools and other places and so forth, and in the wider culture, and it sort of turned it on its head uh applied it to themselves in a way and said hey wait we're a we're an oppressed well not in the minority exactly yet but soon to be minority and they use the same sort of tools and methods basically uh as uh, as other groups
1: have used on on the left basically and so uh, yeah. I, I would say to some extent they are maybe a a minority if you if you look beyond just talking about race and talk about Race class economics and so forth uh,
0: yeah and that, that's the point isn't it right because if you if you if you split up if you split us up into small enough categories everyone's a minority right and that's that's the problem right and that's where that's what you know it seems like on the left and right I think reasonable folks are saying is that this is what ends up being really bad is that we, we're so unused to thinking ourselves uh, of ourselves as Americans who have some differences of opinions as opposed to a member of this group who sees all these enemies around us who are trying to take our share of the pie,
1: yeah, so and i'm I'm gonna look at this as as maybe because uh, I think maybe I see things maybe a little more in a Machiavellian sense than you do. Um, like I said, I, I think this whole, you know the idea of political correctness, identity politics, it it is about power. Uh, more than it is about trying to be sensitive, uh, and and these these white nationalists or white identitarians, as he calls them, uh, see this as a way to achieve to grab some power. Uh, the power that they they see is they they get is is sort of solidifying um, those around them. And again, this is the first time. Um, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say it's the first time. It's hardly the first time. Uh, first time in, in modern memory that that you've had this sort of a white identitarian a um, uh, blossoming. Uh, and again, I think Brooks probably overestimates it. I and i you know we can talk about the, the polling data. Um, sometimes I think I might call these people traditionalists, whether they're, whether they're as opposed to white identitarians. Um, but uh, but I, but I, but I take I take the I take the point. Um, and I think, again, they're, they're doing this because they see it as a, this is a way to to grab power. And, and so often in our society, the way to political power is to portray yourself as a victim. Yeah,
0: And, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, at least I've, I've mentioned it before that this, this certainly makes sense because I, I think no reasonable person can deny that for a long, long time, uh, white males in the United States had real, really unfair advantages and there were there was uh, a lot of systemic bias and racism and sexism and so forth now we've gotten a lot better Uh, we i think we can differ in terms of how far we still need to go but there's no question that as a you know if if you're an, especially an older white male and you all of a sudden see the extent of your privilege changing for whatever reason rightly or wrongly that is a loss that you're perceiving and that of course is going to result in some sort of a reaction from you. And so I certainly understand why it's happening and it makes sense that it's happening at this point in time, I think.
1: Yeah. You know, um, you know it, 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 I think we should also point out that the idea of identity politics isn't really new. Um, maybe the way it's happening is new. I mean, uh, Bismarck said, uh, I think it was Bismarck that, uh, uh, you know, politics is the, uh, ordering of, of hatreds. I think I screwed that up. I didn't say that the way I wanted to. Um, but you know what I mean, great yeah, right? You know the Bismarck book I'm talking about. I certainly do. Um, that, uh, you know, that's, that's the way politics has always been done is, is you look at what group doesn't like some other group and, uh, uh you, you play off that now, you know, again, it, it could have been in the past business, uh, and labor, uh, and, and there were plenty of ethnic divisions, uh, throughout Europe that I think Bismarck was referring to also, um, but but uh, you know the United States we've always had at least the opportunity to do something different uh, in that this country wasn't founded uh, on you know of, of hey here's here's one uh, ethnic tribe and here's where we happen to live so this is our country uh, it, rather it was a a nation that was founded sort of on on principles um, rather than than uh, ethnicity and, and I think that's that's a that's a real concern to me is that the farther we get from that that founding on principle and more to hey everyone is is just in it for their own ethnic group uh the, the farther we get from what uh, america ought to be
0: yeah, well I, I certainly agree with that at 100% but of course you know there there are there are elements obviously on the right who say well yes and no certainly it was founded on principles but it was founded by Western Europeans, uh, working from a Judeo Christian tradition. And so therefore that is equally a fundamental part of America. And you cannot take that away and still have America. Now I totally disagree with that, but I, I mean, I, I think that's where they're coming from.
1: Right. Right. You know? Well, I mean, historically, I think that's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, that's, um, but, uh, Right. But but I think they
0: take it one step further by saying that, well, if you're not a Judeo-Christian white American. They identify that
1: also with with a race. They identify it with a it is part of of being white. It's not just simply uh, the whole Anglo-American legal tradition is good because it's good uh, it's good because it's white,
0: yeah, I and think. so if you're if you're a, right, I
1: mean that's what you're trying to yeah,
0: yeah, so if you're if you're a you know a, a black Muslim, then you're somehow, even if you're technically an American, you're a lesser American kind of thing. And I think you know you and I both agree that that's just simply you know just simply wrong headed and destructive
1: kind of thinking right, right all right, you know, one one more thing that I just want to throw out there, but we should go back to the political correctness because I meant to mention this uh, earlier. I was when we are going to have this discussion, I was trying to think of the most silly and ridiculous uh, politically correct abuses that have happened recently. And the one that, that occurred to me, and I don't know whether you, you followed this and is, is, um, the, uh, sportscaster, uh, Robert Lee, um, who is, who is a, a gentleman who works for ESPN and a gentleman of, of Asian descent. Um, but was set to do the, uh, uh, you know, call the play by play for the UVA game. And I'm not even sure who they're playing, uh, a week or so ago. Uh, and, uh, ESPN said they had to, you know, move him, reassign him to a different game uh, on out of out of concerns of political correctness. And and again, on, on some basis that the the Asian sportscaster uh, Robert Lee would be confused with the Confederate general uh, Robert E. Lee. Um, and again, that's the sort of thing that to conservatives, you just kind of it, it boggles your mind and. And, and and you realize this this is just just silly. Now, I don't know. Maybe Mr. Lee may have gotten to see a better game uh, anyway. Um, I don't know. But, but again, if if you happen to be in his position and and your boss says, well, we're not going to send you on this job, uh, well, why not? Well, because your your name is Robert Lee, and well, the same as the Confederate general, you can't do. It. I mean, I, again, you get to this ridiculousness, and and sometimes when you get to that ridiculousness, I think it's it, it's it, it undercuts the the whole enterprise of of uh if you want to say this is about being civil and and just being nice to one another sure Um,
0: no though i i don't think that was really a case of espn being uber politically correct i think it was just them saying hey you know what there might be some people have an issue with this and let's just not i mean we we have plenty of announcers who can do this game so let's just try to avoid the issue entirely because just like coke wants to you know just really only cares about selling you more Coke ESPN only really cares about, you know, uh, trying to keep their ratings right, up, getting and-
1: people to watch, exactly. Watch the game. Um, so they were, just, they all, thought they were just although trying I think to, you might've might had even a bigger audience if they said, if they said Robert Ely is going to call the game. I mean, people would, would really have tuned in. Um, but but to me that that's what's the, the worst part of political correctness is it takes out a little bit of of uh, uh, the diversity and sort of the flavor of of our country and, and that everyone's a little afraid uh, of of geez if we do this oh my gosh is it going to blow up um, and that's that's that chilling effect. Uh, whether it's, whether it's on, you know, political speech about, Hey, I want to talk about affirmative action or it's just something, uh, you know, dumb, like a football game, not dumb, but, but let's say non-political, like a football game or a Coke commercial. Sure. No, absolutely. I, you and I have that. That that takes away from the richness of our discussion. I think when people are like, "Oh, I don't know if we can do that." Yeah. What? Well,
0: I, I think both you and I are big fans of the First Amendment, and it's 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 first for a reason, you know. And uh, and uh, this is an issue that we've agreed on for for a long, long time, and and we both can I think lament the sort of ridiculous lengths to which political correctness can can, can get to at times, for sure, you know. So, all right. Well, you know, this was something new for. Us and we'd really appreciate hearing what you think, regardless of whether you loved it, hated it, or maybe think it has potential if we make some changes. I don't know, but be or sure. Or if you think
1: Mike was was uh, snide. Tonight.
0: Yeah, if exactly, you know, so I I won't apologize in advance because that seems wrong. It'd be, uh, but anyway, so but but please, we really like to hear, especially whenever we try something new like this. Uh, you can email us at mail at politicsguys.com or comment in the comments section for this episode on politicsguys.com or comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash page. And even if you follow us on Twitter, you can also send us a direct message with your thoughts. So that does it for this experimental episode. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you liked what you heard. And if to check out today's sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Politics guys, listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter. Zip I can speak for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash politics guy and Casper where politics guys listeners get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to Casper.com slash TPG and using promo code TPG. And, you know, listener support really is a big help to us. We really appreciate it. And if you are interested in joining our great group of supporters, You can go to politicsguys.com and click on the Patreon link and to support us without spending anything. It'd be great if you could share this episode with your friends and followers or pass along our new show posts and tweets on Facebook and Twitter and leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes also helps. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Michael Baranowski, Jay Carson, Trey Orndorff, and Bruce Johnson. The show is produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Saturday. We hope you'll join us.